The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. What do we mean when we pray the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come? The first time Jesus came, he said his kingdom was not of this world at that time. You see, the kingdom was postponed because he was rejected by Israel's leadership at that time. But when he returns, Israel will welcome him and his kingdom will be established upon earth for a thousand years. The whole emphasis of scripture teaches that the kingdom will be restored in the last days. So I want to challenge believers. Do we really believe the Bible that Jesus is going to reign on this earth for a thousand years? And are we anticipating Jesus' physical kingdom here to rule from the throne of his father David in Jerusalem? Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. I sense things aren't falling apart, but everything's just falling into place, just as Bible prophecy predicted. All the signs are converging and indicating that soon the church age will be completed and Jesus will return to collect his 2,000-year-old bride, the church. And after celebrating the marriage supper of the Lamb in his Father's house in heaven, we're going to return to earth with Jesus in our resurrected, glorified bodies to rule and reign with him on earth for a thousand years. Now, as far-fetched as that may sound to some folks, this is what the Bible actually teaches. But if this Bible is true, and it is, the time we're living in now is not everything we have to live for. And what do I mean? Well, you could be sad that some believer has died prematurely and you think their life was cut short and unfulfilled. Or you may be a young believer hoping to live out an entire lifespan before the second coming of Jesus. But if you're a true born-again believer, you're going to live in a new resurrected body for another thousand years here on earth, even before eternity begins. So life in this current reality isn't all we have to live for. That's what the Bible teaches. And I have many scriptures today to prove it. I was explaining to a friend the other day that many believers simply don't know how to rightly divide. That means how to rightly handle this word of truth. They haven't been taught that the church age is not going to last indefinitely. They haven't been taught that when the full number of the Gentiles is saved, Jesus will return for his bride, and then God will redeem Israel. To rightly handle and interpret the Bible, we have to know that there are seasons called dispensations in God's economy. After the age of the law in the Hebrew Bible came the new covenant age of grace. But the age of grace, which is the church age, will eventually culminate with the second coming of Jesus. And then another time period will follow, and it's called the millennium. It's the unique thousand-year kingdom on earth promised to Jesus 
and there's going to be good climate change and long life during the millennium. And then after the Lord's thousand years of rule and righteousness, time is going to give way to eternity. Here's another thing. Many believers aren't watching for the imminent return of the Lord because they're still anticipating a great harvest of souls. And it's true that we should always believe for the maximum number of souls to be saved. But in fact, the greatest harvest of souls is prophesied to happen during the Great Tribulation, after the rapture of the church. We mustn't overlook the fact that during the Tribulation, God plans to anoint 144,000 evangelists from the tribes of Israel, and God is going to bring back his two witnesses for an encore, two big-gun biblical prophets who will preach powerfully in the streets of Jerusalem with signs and wonders. Also in Revelation 7:14, a great crowd of innumerable souls who are saved during the Great Tribulation are seen worshiping before the throne of God. So let's not assume that the church age is the only time that souls will be saved. The problem is believers don't understand the dispensations of God. The Apostle Paul spoke of dispensations many times in the New Testament. Following the age of the law, we're presently living in the church age, the dispensation of grace. But soon the Great Tribulation will bring the climax of history and the redemption of Israel. Eschatology is the study of the end times, and according to Jewish eschatology, the period immediately prior to the Messiah's arrival is known as the footsteps of the Messiah. I think everybody who's attuned to the spirit of the living God can already sense the Lord's approaching footsteps. Of all the end time signs mentioned in the New Testament, the greatest is the ongoing regathering of Israel as a sovereign nation. God is orchestrating everything on schedule. And I pray we all have eyes to perceive what's unfolding before us in real time. Now, the United Nations has claimed Isaiah 2-4 on its headquarters building, which states that the nation shall beat their swords and spears into plowshares and pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. It's certainly an inspirational prophecy, but it doesn't really belong to the UN to fulfill. The leaders and globalists will never be able to achieve what only God can achieve through his Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua, when he rules this world for a thousand years. Isaiah's prophecy of universal peace will only happen when Jesus comes back to rule, and not from the UN building in New York, but in Jerusalem, Mount Zion. Unfortunately, many churches erroneously claim that we're in the kingdom now, despite the fact that this world isn't getting any better, the lion is definitely not dwelling with the lamb. And apostasy and lawlessness are on the increase. So how is that working out for the kingdom now people? How could we possibly be living in the restored Davidic kingdom now? No, 
Jesus must first return to fulfill a thousand years of rule as Messiah, son of David, on this earth. The prophecy that the angel Gabriel delivered to Jesus' mother Mary has yet to be fulfilled. The promise that God will give to Jesus the throne of his father David. We must understand that Jesus had to come 2,000 years ago to fulfill all the Bible prophecies concerning the suffering servant, the Savior. He had first to pay the sin debt of the world upon the cross. But now we have the prophetic word made more sure about his second coming. Even though we're living in perilous times, it's also the most exciting time because soon Israel is going to meet her real Messiah. And although tragically Israel will be temporarily deceived by an imposter, the Antichrist, nevertheless, the time of the anti-Messiah's rule will be cut short by God and by the return of Jesus. According to Bible prophecy, Jesus will destroy the Antichrist and his false prophet when Jesus returns, and Satan will be bound for a thousand years. It's important to study Bible prophecy concerning the future millennial age. As I've often said, this world is not going to aimlessly continue for centuries in the future, as Star Trek teaches, but history will climax with the glorious second coming of Jesus when he will rule with perfect righteousness and authority. He's going to clean up this world so there's no need to worry and hand-wring over environmental concerns. Believers who are alive at the Lord's sudden appearing called the rapture will participate in the millennium in glorified, immortal, resurrected bodies. Those persons who are left behind at the rapture, but who survive the great tribulation, will be counted as sheep or goats by the Lord. And those judged to be sheep will enter into the millennial kingdom in their mortal bodies as survivors in their lifespans. And the lifespans of their offspring will be dramatically lengthened. They will have survived because they refuse the mark of the beast. And according to Matthew 25, they will be deemed sheep based upon how they treated the Lord's brethren the Jewish people. Then the world will experience universal peace for a thousand years, and there will be no argumentation. Jesus is destined to rule with a rod of iron, and that's according to Psalm 2.8 and Revelation 12.5. Furthermore, Isaiah 2.3 prophesies he will rule in Jerusalem, and he will judge between the nations and render decisions for many people. So social justice will be absolute. There'll be no conspiracy theories, no government cheating and corruption, no swamp. But because so many believers are erroneously promoting kingdom now theology, they don't have a solid foundation concerning the millennium and all the verses that describe that future time period. Because kingdom now theology wreaks havoc and brings much confusion, I want to recommend a monumental book by Texas pastor Andy Woods called The Coming Kingdom, which is an excellent exposition on the future millennial rule of Messiah. Also today, I've looked up the major Bible 
verses pertaining to the millennium, and I'd like to share at least eight categories of scriptures on the millennium. First of all, the prophesied restored Davidic kingdom on earth will be established by God. There's not going to be any utopia set up by the globalist. Zechariah 14.9 proclaims, And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be the only one and his name, the only one. I think that's absolutely marvelous. Only the Lord's name is going to be extolled and no other gods, no other names of gods will be allowed to compete. Daniel 2.44 prophesies, The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. It will crush and put an end to all other kingdoms, but God's kingdom will itself endure forever. So nobody is going to dare to kick God out of schools and national life. Furthermore, Daniel 7.27 says the Lord's kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Secondly, Jerusalem is going to be the center of world peace. Isaiah chapter 19 describes a prophetic highway stretching from Egypt through Israel up to Assyria. And those three favored nations will all live side by side in peace and serve the Lord in a messianic league during the millennium and be a blessing in the midst of the earth. Every promise God made to the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be fulfilled during the millennium. And Israel is going to be elevated above the other nations. I want you to listen to Isaiah chapter 2 and verses 2 to 4. Now it will come about that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, come. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples. In fact, the nations will come up to Jerusalem annually to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. That's according to Zechariah chapter 14. And that's why we have been getting in on the vanguard and rehearsing already by celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles every year in Jerusalem with our tour groups in anticipation of the Millennial Kingdom. Listen to Zechariah 14 verses 16 to 21. Then it will come about that anyone who is left of the peoples that went against Jerusalem, will go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the feasts of booths, tabernacles. And whichever of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, they will receive no rain. And if the family of Egypt does not go up, then no rain will fall on them. It will be the plague with which the Lord smites the nations who do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Also in Zechariah 8.23 is a wonderful prophecy 
that says that 10 men from all the nations will take hold of the garment of a Jew saying, we will go with you for we have heard that God is with you. Now a third category, there are many verses explaining that the bride of Messiah will rule and reign with Jesus in the millennium. That's why we're in boot camp, so to speak, in this lifetime, being prepared to reign with him. And depending upon our faithfulness and our overcoming, we will rule over one or more cities while Jesus administers the world from Jerusalem and his kingdom will be from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 28, truly I say to you that in the renewal, that is in the messianic restoration and in the regeneration of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me as my disciples will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Furthermore, Jesus told many parables and some describe rulership in his kingdom, such as the parable of the talents. Those servants who were faithful and productive were given the Lord's commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And in the parable of the gold coins in Luke chapter 19, one of the Lord's servants who pleased his master is commended by the Lord. Well done, good servant, because you've been faithful in a very little, I will grant you authority over 10 cities in my kingdom. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2.11, This is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. And in 1 Corinthians 6.2, Paul asked, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10, it declares that Believers are a kingdom of priests, and we will reign upon the earth. So all of these scriptures clearly tell us that the afterlife is not going to consist of just sitting around on clouds and playing harps. That's such a lame picture of what's actually to come in the future. Category number four, scriptures concerning the millennium, tell us that our adversary, Satan, is going to be bound during that time. Listen to selections from Revelation chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. John wrote, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is Satan, the devil, and bound him for how long? A thousand years, and he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he could not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. And why is that? So that hearts of the mortals who have lived during the millennium can be tested. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison. And Revelation 29 prophesies that he will go forth and once again attack the beloved city, Jerusalem. And that's because Satan has always resented Jerusalem and he's always wanted to usurp God's throne 
and tamper with God's holy city. But verse 10 of Revelation 20 tells us that Satan's end is that he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone along with the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, where they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Category number five, justice and righteousness will prevail in the millennium. There's going to be no more swamp, no bribery is going to go unnoticed, no cover-ups, no fake news, no scams, no kangaroo courts. Isaiah 9, 7 prophesies of the increase of his government in peace. There will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to perform this. So the millennium is going to be a reign of total, complete righteousness. Presently in our world, we are vexed by unprecedented deceptions and lies and strong delusions, people calling good evil and calling evil good. But of the millennium, Isaiah 11:9 predicts the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a wonderful world that's going to be. Number six, human beings during the millennium will enjoy a greatly lengthened lifespan as before the time of the flood. And the animal kingdom will no longer be belligerent. The curse is going to be curtailed. Isaiah chapter 11 describes the peaceable kingdom during the millennium. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will lie down together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And a little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. A baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Furthermore, Isaiah chapter 65, verses 20 and 22, prophesy a greatly expanded lifespan for human beings equal to the lifespan of a tree. Those verses say that no longer will a nursing infant live but a few days or an old man fail to live out his years. For the youth will die at a hundred years, and he who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. Think about that. It's going to be a tragedy if somebody dies at the age of 100. And verse 22 goes on to prophesy, For as is the lifetime of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will fully enjoy the work of their hands. You know, they say some of the trees in California are, are at least a thousand years old. So remember, let's bear in mind these prophecies describe the peaceable kingdom, the millennium, not the eternal state. Death will be rare in the millennium, but in eternity, there will be absolutely no more death. Also throughout eternity, the book of Revelation says, there's not going to be a temple in heaven. 
Why? Because Revelation 21, 22 states, John saw no temple there because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. But the millennium is a different and unique dispensation of time that follows the second coming of Jesus. But it's also prior to the eternal state. And in the millennium, there's going to be a temple. So my seventh point is something interesting about the millennium, which we need to comprehend and accept. The scriptures teach the thousand-year kingdom is the time for Jesus to be vindicated as the son of David. And in his millennium, there's going to be a temple in Jerusalem. And actual animal sacrifices will take place. That future fact gets a lot of believers' backs up. And they want to argue with Scripture, even though the book of Ezekiel clearly describes the millennial temple in detail. Believers who don't study Bible prophecy and who don't properly divide and handle this word of truth Say, because Jesus was the final sacrifice for sin, there's no need for animal sacrifices in the millennium. But Bible scholars explain that the purpose of the sacrifices mentioned in Ezekiel will be memorials. Death will be such a rare thing in the millennium due to the expanded lifespans and righteousness will also prevail so that people may tend to forget why it was necessary for Jesus to die such a terrible death for sinners as the sacrificial lamb of God. The millennial animal sacrifices will be reminders of the awfulness of sin and how the Bible teaches that blood sacrifice is required to atone for sins. The sacrifices will be memorials in much the same way that Holy Communion, the Lord's Table, memorializes His atoning death in the church age. Now, uh, final and eighth category of millennial scripture verses that I want to mention briefly concern climate change. Yes, during the millennium, there's going to be climate change. Plenty of showers of blessing and streams in the desert. Even the Dead Sea is prophesied to spring back to life according to Ezekiel chapter 47. Healing water will flow out from under the millennial temple down to the Dead Sea and the Dead Sea will be filled with life and fish. Nations will enjoy abundant rainfall and will only suffer drought, as mentioned in Zechariah 14, if they refuse to come up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of the Lord. Well, I hope you can see from this study that the Millennial Kingdom is going to be a vastly improved and glorious time on earth. And every believer who dies in the Lord or who is raptured will have the joy, privilege, and the honor of reigning and ruling with Messiah. That's why I hope you will pray with me with renewed faith. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now is certainly the time to put our faith and trust in the world's only Savior, Jesus, Yeshua, because he's coming soon. I pray with all of my heart right now that you will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus while there is still time to be saved. Amen. If you haven't checked out our website, exploits.tv, lately, there are lots of helpful articles and videos to watch for free. And our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site also has our library of videos 24-7. 
Daniel 11.32 declares that the people who know their God will be strong, not weak, and will carry out exploits, meaning let's accomplish the works of the Lord in the remaining time we have before his imminent return. Please download our free Jerusalem Channel app. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to contact me at social media. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Darg. Shalom and Maranatha. When you visit the Jerusalem Channel website, you can watch all our videos with closed caption subtitles. Select the closed caption logo at the bottom right corner of the video screen and select English. Jerusalem Channel Facebook page, you can select closed captions in English, Spanish, Portuguese, and Arabic. The Jerusalem Channel YouTube site has closed captions in English.